The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded. It's Patrick Bexel here. It's Sunday afternoon in Sweden and we are recording a podcast about Kaden Gooley, who's obviously going to have a fantastic or a terrible game tonight. I'm joined by the fugitive, Anton Rosgård. Where are you now in the world? Well, I'm back in Croatia now. I have been on a one-week trip that included going to Bulgaria, Romania and Greece, and now I'm back in Croatia again. Well, that sounds lovely. I, I hope to hear you going to Slovenia soon. Ljubljana means beloved in yep. uh, in Eastern European languages. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's probably the be- most beautiful capital name-wise, at least, in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also joined by locked-on Canadian superstar Laura Saba. But most of all, Laura, you're, you're, you're mostly known to us because you're an Eyes on the Prize alumni. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say superstar. I would say co-host. I literally am one of the co-hosts of, of Locked On Canadians, but you're very kind to have me on and give me an opportunity to talk about one of our one of our most exciting prospects in the system. Yeah, and and uh, he really is. Uh, it's Caden Gooley. It was very close. I think that he was kept up with Montreal last year, but tanking obviously put, put damper on some things. The new management, obviously, it happened before the new management came in that it was sent back to uh, Prince Andrew's Raiders. But it's, I think it was a smart thing to do. I, I think so, too, because I remember the talk around training camp last season, and it was, can he stick around? Should he stick around? He was good enough to stick around. But I think it happened to be really fortuitous that he got sent back to, to Prince Albert because then he got traded to the Edmonton Oil Kings um, and was able to put together an MVP defenseman season. I think one of the things that I would like the Montreal Canadiens to continue to do is not rush prospects because we've seen a lot of times where development has been stunted and it's not always 100% the player's fault. I do believe that when you're talking about development of a prospect, it's how much the player does and how much the team does or what situations the team puts him in are important, right? So I think for Caden Gooley, yes, he might have been part of that abysmal season last year and we don't know what we would have gotten out of him, but I think he was able to hone um, aspects of his game that we hadn't seen in his draft year. And I think that's what became a lot. That's what became really important. Like, was he good enough to be a defensive defenseman in the NHL? Yes, with some growing pains. But he went back and he became a very strong. He developed his offensive game. He found chemistry with Luke Prokop. He really became a strong, well-rounded player in my mind. And I think that that's just going to benefit the Canadians going forward. I think, you know, I'm about to start rambling with my philosophy (laughs) here, but I I believe that, you know, tomorrow's NHL doesn't have only defensive defensemen in there. Like we talk a lot about the Kale McCars of the world, like a Rover type player coming back. Those guys have to play with somebody. And if that somebody is purely defensive defenseman, 
they're not going to be able to keep up with that game, right? So I always, I see Kane Gooley as a top pairing defenseman in the NHL after some continued development, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, like I see him playing on that top pairing alongside somebody who's a little bit more dynamic, a little bit more creative, a little bit more like one of those hybrid defensemen that could be a forward. I really see that that's the best uh, best role for him because he is so good at what he does and he's become so good at what he does. And, you know, the, the uh, I guess the amateur leagues have nothing left to teach him. So the ex- expectation is that out of training camp, he's likely going to go to Laval just so that he can play those top pairing minutes. He's he, he's likely to play a lot more, but I wouldn't be surprised if he got extended looks with the Canadians. I wouldn't be surprised if he, like, if they tried to see what he, you know, whether it's at the beginning of the season or whether it's after some time proving himself, I really do expect that the Canadians are going to, like, they're going to do a, a I wouldn't say half and half, but I would say that at the end of this upcoming season, the expectation is that he's going to be a full-time NHLer. So they're going to try and find the best way to get him there. Be nice to me now. I've told Jason Paul just a couple of episodes ago that, you know, Gooley is a shoe in to, to play the whole season with Montreal. So. <laughs> I uh, honestly, there's like, there's so many defensemen there. Like there's like that depth chart is so weird and they have like nobody to play on the right side. I, th- so. I think it's going to be a kind of musical chairs where <laughs> Harris, Gooley, Norlander, um, some of them will, will, will be up and down with the main team and Laval. And that really makes, to, to go off on a tangent really, that really makes it so smart to have your AHL team in the same city as your NHL team. Mm. Yeah, because you have that flexibility there. Are you calling Laval a part of Montreal? Oh, well, <laughs> Laval well, people wouldn't be happy about that. Or Montreal people either, I guess. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this this conversation is playing right on my on my heart right now because I'm looking I'm looking to to buy a place to live. <laughs> And most of the places I'm finding are in Laval and I have to let go of that being that Montrealer. But one of the things that I will say is that if I were in Laval, uh, it would be, I, I do go now, like mm-hmm. since the Canadians started getting better, sorry, since the Laval Rockets started getting better uh, and they opened up games last season, I've been to quite a few games because it's a really great time. And I think that we're going to be pretty spoiled in Laval for this upcoming year. And if the Canadians continue to draft like they did, we're going to be spoiled for a couple of years in Laval and you're going to be able to go and see uh, you're going to go and see some really talented players really become who they're meant to be. Um, and I, the thing is, I do think that Caden Bully is going to do in training camp what it takes to get to the NHL. And we did kind of talk a bit uh, on our podcast about how the opening night lineup might be a lot of these guys will eventually get sent back to Laval. My only concern is like, I want him to play as many top pairing minutes as possible. Like that is my you know, that, that is, that is what I would do with Caden Gooley, but I'm not in charge of developing the Montreal Canadiens. So. No, but it's well, interesting what you're saying, Laura, because obviously the question is what you want out of Caden Gooley, not now, because this probably, whatever Joel Edmondson is saying, it's not going to be a very happy season for the Canadians. Um, if they don't just develop massively and get like a Cole Caulfield to score 60 goals or something, and that's probably not going to happen. Um, so the question is, do you want Caden Gooley to come in now and be, you know, someone who can surely play third pairing minutes and probably go up and, you know, play second pairing minutes reasonably well from the start as well? Or do you want him to potentially be 
you know, someone who can down the line become a first or, you know, second defenseman on a team, right? You want him to be your number one or number two in the future. And that's why it's such a good position to be in right now with, you know, a new head coach, new management, a young team coming up. You don't have to rush these guys. There is no reason. You have just assigned a 23-year-old to be your next captain. He signed for, what is it, eight years? Seven more years. Or seven years. more. I don't know if it was seven or it's eight. Seven after this one. Yeah, okay. it was eight by seven point nine. Yeah, yeah exactly. they 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 like locked him up. That was the one thing that Mark Bergevin, <laughs> the gift that he gave us before leaving, was locking up Nick Suzuki. And I, I, you know, I, I still hear from other fan bases. I know we're going to go off on another tangent here. I still hear from other fan bases being like Nick Suzuki, really. And I'm like, that is so <laughs> clear to me that you did not watch any Montreal Canadiens games the last couple of seasons. Uh, but I, I do, I do agree that he does need some time in the NHL to kind of get used to the way, you know, we always talk about they need to learn how to play against men, not just boys. But for me, I think they need to maximize his play in a situation where they expect to be be mm. expect him to be in. And I, I totally agree that like he could he could be the second or third pairing defenseman in the NHL. And I think that they should call him up to the NHL often. I don't think that they should just you know rule that out. And it's possible from day one he sticks and then you know, he, they can't do anything, right? Like he forces their hand kind of like how Nick Suzuki showed up and was like, I'm going to make the NHL this year and never look back literally not once. So I think that it's possible. And he does have that attitude for me. I just think that there is uh, a gold mine in this player, right? Like this player was drafted and I don't know if you two, I certainly know that myself and anyone else that I've spoken to when he was drafted 16th overall, we were like, this is so I would say not uninspired, but boring. Was it was so... a boring choice. Exactly. Yeah. And we didn't see the potential there. Like we didn't see that he could develop into a dynamic player. We we're just kind of like, okay, he's a shutdown defenseman. He's big and he can, you know, he can kind of like find his way around the ice and he, he can shut down offense. But we didn't realize that he can generate offense, that he can be part of the transition play. And whether that came after or whether that was part of his game and it just wasn't visible in his draft years, either way, they've got a goldmine in this player, right? Like they got this player that we thought wasn't going to amount to this. And maybe they knew something we didn't because, you know, there are some a lot of gems in Trevor Timmons' repertoire. But for me, I think you take this guy that has the potential to be a top pairing defenseman and you really think long and hard, like what is it going to take for him two years down the line, three years down the line, we're saying maybe they'll start making the playoffs three years after this, or, you know, in the third year after this, we don't know. Right. Joel Edmondson is like, we're done tanking. And that's the right attitude for the team to have. That's the right attitude for the coaching staff to have. You don't want to go out there and try to lose games. You want to go out there and try to win games. But at the same time, when you look at this roster, it's not very convincing. Like that's how we know that they're not going to have a good year. So mm. you, you kind of think about, what they want to do now. They still want to have a good draft year coming up the next draft year to stock up a little bit because there's going to be a point where they're going to have to start trading players for established NHLers, like prospects for established NHLers. Like when they're making playoff runs and stuff, the conversation is different. So they do want to stock up that cupboard. But at the same time, the players that are there, you know, your Nick Suzuki, your Cole Caulfield, you know, you want them to see as much game action as possible. You want them to become those veterans of tomorrow that are going to lead the younger prospects, you know? So 
I, I personally think that the Canadians are going to try to win games. They're just not going to be very successful at, at winning games. <laughs> that That's the thing is like, I like the attitude of the players. I think that it's, it's, it's the right attitude to have. I just think reality is, is going to not match up with what Joel Edmondson says. <laughs> and, and we know in some ways uh, that after the deadline, it will be different and more of these young defenders and, and young forwards will have an opportunity to, to play in the NHL. I'm obviously keen to, to get Dalibor Dvorsky from, for, for next year. As you know, he's around number five in, in the. Are you sure you want to get him? Because if he's selected in the first round, he'll probably come over to North America. Well, and you he's won't get an to write about him. So it doesn't matter. Mm. No, true, <laughs> but but I, I mean, like mostly, I, I just want the whole Slovak team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Canadians seem to be working on it, so <laughs> there's that aspect too. But, I but, really do. Sorry, go on. But 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 looking at Caden Gooley, you know, we 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 saw him develop. You mentioned that he's turning in maybe to a more of a two-way kind of player. Uh, the fact is still, and, and this is what I hear from from other friends of mine in the scouting community, that he still struggles a little bit with that outlet pass, uh, with you know having that quality puck control that you expect from a, a, a top pairing defenseman in the NHL. This is not the NHL of old where you had um, Ulf Samuelsson or Kent Samuelsson or Peter Paul or, 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 or <laughs> you know, these guys. You, mm. you, you needed, I, I mean, you need, you cannot just have a, a, a super defensive defenseman anymore. You need no, exactly. a bit more. It's like that- Laura said. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, no, I was just going to say, like, I mean, that's what you thought that you were getting, right, in 2020. That's yeah. why we were saying, like, oh, this is a, this is such a Bergman choice. He's only go- going for, like, the big defenseman who has no real upside and who's just going to be there for, like, he's going to be there for 82 games, but he's never going to produce any points. And, like, when you read draft reports from 2020, that's what you thought you were getting. I remember, though, when I was doing research for a different prospect, because, um, Kaden Gooley is from the Edmonton area, right? So he played for Sherwood Park when he was AAA or something like that. And I remember writing about uh, it was, I think his name was was it Michael Benning, Matthew Benning, something like that. And um, he was best friends with another kid from the 2020 draft. I think it was Connor Savoy, Carter Savoy. So they were all from the same area or something. And um, they were just saying like raving about Caden Gooley and his work ethic and just saying like, oh, this guy is just like he's built like a tank and he's, you know, he's always down, you know, practicing. He's always wants to get better. And obviously, I remember this when they actually went for Gooley in the draft and just like, well, I mean, his work ethic certainly seems to be correct. And if he can just work on a couple of things and become a little bit more offensively gifted or offensively minded, I think it really helped him as well this season when he was traded to the Edmonton Oil Kings, um, where he got to play for a real, you know, contending team and get that kind of experience. And also, like going back to 2020, obviously it was a weird draft year when it was postponed to the like the whole draft was postponed to the um, to the fall season. But when they when they missed out on that you know lottery pick by beating Pittsburgh, um, and they like they got the 16th pick instead of what would have ended up being the ninth probably, um, 
they I remember them saying something in the press conference afterwards that this was basically the player they wanted all along, right? They wanted Caden Gooley, and there were rumors like they would have selected him no matter what. Now they were able to like get some playoff experience and still get Caden Gooley. And yeah, it just looked like they were over promoting one of their guys, but like here we are two years in, and it looks like a pretty damn good draft choice. One of the few really good first round draft choices from the Bergman area era. I would absolutely agree with that. And I think one of the things is like, I'm not a scout, right? Like I've been watching hockey very closely for two decades and I've been, you know, I've been doing this podcast long enough to know, like, you know, the kinds of things that I don't know. But one of the things that I always look at is when there's a perceived weakness in a player, um, I always look at, is it a lack of talent there or is it a teachable skill? Right. Because I know there's been a lot of conversations like this guy's good, but he's bad at this one thing. This guy's good, but he's bad at this one thing and there are some things you cannot teach and there are some things you can like you cannot teach intelligence you cannot teach hockey intelligence right but you can make somebody practice face-offs you can you know you can give him a, a development plan that includes you know whatever so I always look at that and I think one of the things that I look at with Caden Gooley is that there's some things that he's never going to be he's never going to be an offensive like, you know, threat, like that's not it. Like he can contribute, but he's never going to be that. But we're talking about the outlet pass, right? Like, I feel like that's something that Martin St. Louis is going to single out and he's going to hone in on, and he's going to be like, you need to get better at this and you need to learn this concept. Right. And I think with, with players that like Caden Gooley, where it's like, he's not completely changing his game. He's adding to his game, right? Like he's still really good at shutting down offense. Like that's not changed and that hasn't diminished. Uh, one thing that he's done as well is kind of get really too enthusiastic about, about uh, participating in the offense that he has to then, you know, rush back and cover for his own mistakes. And those are all immaturity um, things. Like it's not like a lack of talent there, right? Like when you, look at what is this it's not a lack of talent and I think that to me is key it's a skill that maybe he's never going to be the best in the NHL at but you can take a guy and say who's like maybe below average and bring him up to the average right and that and that is something that I think is really key for all these young players these promising players that the Canadians have they all come with a weakness right we were talking about Owen Beck on our on our podcast he's like one of our favorite prospects now and he's got so many strengths and his one weakness is the lack of production. And it's like, well, you look at this and you're like, okay, you take the context and is it, is it something where, you know, it's his line mates that are the issue? Is it something where it's the situation that he's being played in? That's the issue. And then you look at, okay, where are the Canadians going to put him, right? He's probably going to be like a third line center. He's going to be a fantastic third line center. So you look at that and you're like, okay, these are the skills they need to work on. As for Gooley, like, I think part of it is he just needs to think the game in a slightly different way. And it's not that he's he doesn't have that hockey sense. It's not that he doesn't have that instinct, that natural instinct. I think one of the things is that he tries to do too much without seeing the bigger picture, without seeing the bigger ice. Um, that's the way that I would describe it. And so, like when I when I when I look at players like him in particular, I look at not just where do the Canadians, where should the Canadians play him? It's what aspects of his game can they improve? Like, is it possible to improve? Right. And I think that that's one of them, just like his situational awareness is really good. And the decision-making that he, he makes is usually good, but sometimes it's rushed. And I think that's where he makes those mistakes that we keep talking about. Like it's, 
he thinks it too fast. And then he like, he's not like Cole Caulfield or Nick Suzuki who see two moves ahead, right? He's seeing the move in the moment. And that's just something that he's going to develop. And the more he plays, the better that gets. Indeed. I I, I totally agree. And, and uh, the smart thing that I think many of, of Mark Bergevin's picks were, was that they were smart players. They had hockey IQ. Um, Caden Gooley is, is is there, and he he has some strength. And uh, unfortunately, maybe what what we had, and I know Scott and Matt obviously always spoke about it. A pairing with uh, Gula and Romanov would have been fun because uh, it would have been a demolition derby, but uh, that won't happen. Um, but we, is this, in a way, the Nick Yalmarsson that uh, Montreal needs? The big hitter. Uh, quite a uh, stable defenseman can go up and and do some stuff in the offensive zone as we saw in the world juniors where he actually scored more goals by a defenseman but we shouldn't really put anything effort into that because uh, Romanov had the same and we've seen some of the other defensemen uh, around that same was it Sandin and, and uh, uh, Lundqvist was probably one of them as well uh, they haven't really matured into the NHL um, so, so leave the world juniors and point production on the side for defenders, but, but it gives you an idea that he can do it at least. I think that's the key there is that it's, it's possible. Like you kind of, you, you can't take players and turn them into things they're not, but you can take the kernels of potential and grow it. And that that's what the Canadians kind of need to do. And I like what you said about the world juniors, because there's a lot of players that really shine in those moments. And then you play them against like NHL competition and that's where they falter. And I think, you know, I think that's kind of by design, like some players just don't, they aren't that ready or they aren't, they, they're just not meant for the NHL. And they just, they have that talent that just will not translate to the NHL level. And I don't think that Cooley is one of those people, but I do think that looking at, at certain things in the, like looking at scoring, I think in general in the world juniors is something that uh, it's a lot like the games are, the players are a lot less refined, right? The players are, are a lot more raw, a lot more um, daring. They're a lot more, uh, they make a lot more mistakes too. That's, that's also part of it. Um, but I think those, those experiences are valuable for the players themselves. Like it doesn't tell us what we need to know as much because it feels like a, a manufactured situation but it's such a good experience for the players themselves right like just playing on those eyes playing against the best of your own peers and then you know you're going to grow you're going to get into like what I'm expecting now is going to be a hybrid NHL AHL kind of uh, situation for Caden Gooley is that you're going to realize that all of the opportunities that you had, like whether it's a scoring lane, whether it's a turnover from the other team, that's a lot fewer of those. You're going to find a lot fewer of those in the NHL. You're, you're going to be able, there's fewer mistakes that you can capitalize on. There's fewer weaknesses in your opponents that you're playing. Um, so I think that that's going to be a little bit, uh, it's going to be an adjustment. But as we saw when he went to Edmonton, like he adjusted his game. He really stepped it up, right? And I think that he also, I think that he does see himself as a top defenseman in, in the NHL. He, I think he does see himself. He does see his ceiling as, you know, as, as a, as a top pairing defenseman. And so if you're Caden Gooley and you have the right attitude, you have the potential there, you have like some of that talent that you need and some that needs to be developed. Like 
why wouldn't you do everything that it takes to kind of get better at all of those parts of the of your game that aren't aren't um, fully developed yet? Like I just I have so much faith in this kid. <laughs> like I don't know why. I one of the reasons was so you know peek behind the curtain. Patrick asked which players I'd want to talk about, and I said I'd love to talk about Caden Gooley because it's been it's been quite some time. Uh, I think the other the other player that I was like this positive on was Cole Caulfield. Um, and then, you know, there's a whole lot of players that don't pan out or like end up being disappointing. And I feel like with Kin Guli, like it's going to be one of those where I'm like, I'm so positive, but I'm not going to be proven wrong. Like I, I'm holding on to that <laughs> uh, with like, I mean, and the, the thing is, like, if you look at the depth chart right now, and I know um, it's not complete yet, the top 25 under 25. Um, but I was thinking, well, we are like, at number four, so it's yeah. more or less complete. And it's we can all sort there. of guess, I mean, like. <laughs> You don't have to be a super smart mathematician to understand which three are left after this. <laughs> right. So I think like for me, you know, before the draft, if somebody asked me like, who's like you, 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 if you consider somebody like Cole Caulfield graduated, then who's the most promising prospect that the Canadians have before the draft? I literally said it was Caden Gooley. Like that was to me, he was, you know, he was the top prospect, like not, not, professional player right and now I'm thinking and it's like well you've got all these players that they just drafted but they're still relatively unknown quantities like I think you know Slavkovsky might be the highest ceiling player that they have in the in the in the pipeline but to me other than Slavkovsky well Lane Hudson too (laughs) (laughs) I like my short king there that I will like people are just like I'm, I'm sick of hearing about Lane Hudson Laura stop it um but I do think that you know like he has like Slavkovsky is like one of those people where like the talent is there you can tell but you can tell he's also really young and really raw like you know watching the the prospect uh, uh showcase you can tell there's so many parts of his game that are just like he's just a child right like he had his braces off a couple of months before the draft like he he's somebody that like is kind of to me I would still consider him an unknown quantity whereas with with Caden Gooley like I'm very comfortable saying that he is you know after Slavkovsky he is right now in my mind like the top uh of of so like the number two I guess in the depth chart but that's also you're removing all of the other players who have already graduated today until I know you guys with the top 25 it's anybody who's still under 25 like age is the only requirement there so I think that it's a little bit different but for me like if you're looking at the what what we call the prospects I think that Caden Gooley is like definitely top three you you um uh, you might be right. I'm not going to argue against it. And, uh, well, j- just to, to go a little bit off tangent here, and I want a short answer. How many top 25 under 25 profile have you written, Laura? <laughs> That's quite a few. <laughs> I honestly have no idea. <laughs> because I remember that I, I, I would try and get out of writing them, but I always wanted to vote on them. <laughs> so like when I was on have size on the prize, I would be like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to write the profiles, but I want my opinion heard. And I, I remember Bruce Peter had to chase after me to do my voting because I was always late. <laughs> um, yeah, well, we've been speaking about where Kane and Gooley is in, in regards to this. Um, you painted up two different roads really in front of him at the moment. Uh, if he stays in the NHL or, or or maybe three even, if he is a hybrid of NHL, AHL or AHL for the full season. Um, you guys who listen know what I think. Uh, but but <laughs> expectations wise, what should be our expectations this year for Kenny Gooley? If you take a one, two, three, or if you take a one, two, um, because I don't think it will be 
all the time in the AHL anyway. Yeah, I, th- I think we can pretty much rule that out. <laughs> He's not going to be in the AHL full time. I do think it's going to be hybrid, though, uh, because I feel like it's very much like you said, both of you said, actually, is that if he plays in the NHL, he's not necessarily going to be on the top pairing. He's going to be second or third pairing. And he does need that NHL experience. But we want him to be a, a, a top pairing defenseman. So I really do think that it's going to be one of those things where he's going to do everything he can to make the team out of training camp. He's going to force their hand a little bit. He's going to make the team out of training camp. But with the understanding, I think that he's going to spend some time in Laval because I think that at the end of this season, like, you know, when you're going into 2023, 2024, I think they want him to play on the top pairing in the NHL level. So like, that's what, that that's what this, this year is going to be a long year of him trying to get ready to do that. I think that's what they want. I think that's, that's, that's a ceiling. And I think they want him to attain his ceiling. And, and looking at it, what do you think uh, should be, we should look for, uh, during this year, improvement-wise, and, and maybe uh, even to to uh, build up on his strengths? I think I like the... Uh, the way that I would put it is, you know how Jordan Harris plays? He does not make a single... He, he, does, not, he does not rush anything. He does not play in a way that's in any way nervous or too animated. He's just so calm and collected and so good at decision-making. Like, I feel like I would want a little bit more of like Caden Gooley to kind of be able to control his strengths a little bit more. Like, I feel like he kind of jumps it, it like the way that I would describe it is not trying to do too much, but trying to do what you're doing too much right like that one thing like not trying to do too many things but trying to do that one thing to a degree where it's not necessary and you end up making those mistakes there it's kind of like overshooting the runway when you're trying to land a plane like that's how I feel and so I think that that's something that I would want him to work on like to be a little bit more calm um he doesn't he seems unflappable but when you see he's trying to do something it sometimes feels a lot Uh, excessive like when he's in a position where he's just defending trying to shut you down trying to you know just trying to just, just trying to hold the position like he's good at that um and I think that that's something that he should you know like I, I don't I don't necessarily think that there's anything in his game that's a flaw there on that aspect I just think that like that 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 attempt to like you know just just be a little too offensive or a little bit too you know that that's the thing that I would um I would I would kind of work on for him Um, and I think, I feel like in his game, I just, I, I, so, I see so much that like he, he could just practice like some of the skills is just, it's just practice. It's, it's just kind of learning to look at things from a different perspective a little bit like and I hate to sound like Marty because we repeat everything that Marty says on our podcast all the time, but like he needs to learn those reads. <laughs> it's the reads he needs to get better at the reads and and not not on the defensive side just on the offensive side because I think that he's going to be uh, a major weapon for Montreal if they can find that really dynamic rover type player to play alongside him I think that that's going to be a pairing that that is going to give the opponents fits like it's going to be it's going to be a dangerous pairing I really, I really see that. Maybe not, you know, this year or next year, but I, I see it coming. I see it coming when the team is good enough to make the playoffs. Like he's he's gonna be a major part of 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 the threat that the Canadians will be. 
Indeed, and and uh, I can see that happening. Anton, you agree with that assessment? I do. Yeah, absolutely. I have nothing further to add. It's been uh, it's been said. No, it's going to be an interesting season just to just to see Gouli in action against opponents who are you know his size and his maturity, and you know he he looked like a man against boys a lot of the times in the WHL, but. Now it's just going to be interesting to see how far he can take his development, really, because he looks like someone who can be a, a big pillar for the Canadians um, you know, during this, uh, you know, during the next decade if he just uh, reaches his potential. And as I said before, it's a it's a surprisingly good pick to get at the middle of the first round, especially in a draft that before before the 2020 draft, everyone was saying that it was very. Um, it was very low on quality defensemen to be so to be able to pick up a guy of Gouli's uh, stature and who looks like he can be uh, an asset both uh, well in in basically every regard. He looks like someone who, if he's coached up properly, he could probably chip in on both uh, you know penalty kill, power play, five on five situations. He has the size, he has the physicality, and. And he's smart enough. So there's really a lot to like about Caden Gooley's overall game. Now it's just to show that you can do it against better opponents, really. And I think the key for me, like the reason I keep insisting on the word Laval is because Laval is likely to have a playoff push, if not a playoff run. Right. Like they they didn't get much worse in the offseason. In fact, they took steps to get themselves better to replace those guys that left. And, you know, if you're going to look at the AHL, if you're going to look at the Laval Rocket as your developmental farm team, like you're going to put Caden Gooley in there for the playoff push for the playoff run if there is one. So that's why I think he should get time in Laval. Like, and I think he should, you know, for me, it's like it, it, it with the game limits, I never know how to count or whatever, but I think he's pretty safe for the first season uh, for them to send him down for the, for the playoff run. I think, I think, you know, or, or even the playoff push, like if they see at that point, especially as you were talking about after the trade deadline, the NHL trade deadline, you know, the team's going to look very different and they're going to, they're going to continue to, we hate the word tank, but tank, um, they're going to sell off assets. They're going to be playing with a lot of veterans missing. That's that's how we'll put it. Um, you know, the, that's a great opportunity for either to push him up to the to the first pairing in the NHL or to put to send him down for a playoff run. Because as we've seen with the WHL and with the Memorial Cup, and you know, in the past with the with with World Juniors, that's the kind of situation where he really thrives. He really steps up. He really gains a lot of experience for himself in those moments. So that's why I want him to be part of that AHL playoff run. So he might need some time with them, you know, to, to kind of be part of that team and, and be their top pairing defenseman. But that's, that's what I, that's why, that's what I envision. And that's why I keep bringing up Laval. <laughs> um, I, I just want to ask, do you see any, pro, uh, any, Transitional problems going from playing the WHL with junior players into playing against men and and at a speedier with more speed, obviously, and and uh, more uh, skilled players as well. It's interesting because for me, I see, you know, the WHL is a very strong defensive league, right? That's one of the things it's like the the huge MJHL is so strongly offensive, but weak defensively. Like with the WHL, I don't necessarily think they're weak offensively, but defense is their strong suit. Um, so I think that he's much better positioned than somebody making the team out of the queue, to be honest. Like I do feel that he, he does have kind of an advantage. And I think that 
one of the things that's going to happen is that, you know, he's going to find that the game is a lot more, uh, I would say a lot less, not, not a lot less physical, but like the, the, the difference is not going to be a stark going from WHL to the AHL. Like it's going to be physical and he's going to be counted on a lot. Like I think with the NHL, like any other rookie, he's going to be prone to mistakes when he does play in the NHL, he's going to be prone to making boneheaded, you know, rookie, rookie moves, but that's fine. You know, like you want, you want them to learn from their mistakes. You know that Martin St. Louis is, is not a coach who's going to bench you for just making a stupid mistake. He's going to coach you through it. And I think, I think, I think he'll struggle a little bit um, just to adjust, but as he's shown, like, you know, you put him in different situations, he's going to rise to the occasion. Like, I don't think it's going to be one of those things where like a struggle will lead to a slump. I do think that he's much better positioned coming from the WHL. He's much better positioned to go into an, another similarly physical league like the AHL or the NHL level, like playing against men. You know, he's, he's, I think physically he's ready. That's, that's the important thing. It's like, it's mentally, there's more aspects to his game that aren't as developed as we want them to be at this point in time. But that's, those are the parts where he's going to struggle with. You've been listening to Laura Saba, the active stick, follow her on Twitter, follow, uh, her on her own podcast, the Locked On Canadians podcast. Well, Scott is there as well, but we, we all know <laughs> who, who does the, the, the work. Uh, we have also been joined by um, the fugitive, Anton Rosegård. We'll see where he shows up next time in, in the world. <laughs> but uh, always a pleasure to have you both on. And uh, we'll make sure to have you on during the season a lot more, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. It went by so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed it did. Uh, thank you, Anton. And uh, yeah, just rem remember that we recorded this before Ghoulis' fantastic game or terrible <laughs> game this Sunday night. <laughs> <laughs>